This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. So for the last few episodes of The Wellness Prescription, I've been sharing life-inspiring tips, how to find health and happiness, but this week I decided to change it up a bit and give parents some insight on how to successfully potty train their children. There are so many stages of parenting and all of them are so wonderful, yet they can be stressful. So we all want our children to meet the milestones at the right time and with ease, but sometimes it always doesn't work out that way. So for example, we're all excited about baby's first step, baby's first word, and of course, potty training. And we want it to happen at the moment that we expect it, but it doesn't always work out that way. So joining me today on my show is Dr. Joanna Dos Santos. She is a pediatric medical urologist, and I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Thank you so much, Claudia, for having me and for the opportunity to speak with the public about potty training. Yeah, it's such an important topic, and my kids are far beyond that, but I remember it. I remember worrying about it and wondering, you know, when it's supposed to happen, how am I going to know? But before we get into all the details, let's tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a pediatrician and pediatric nephrologist training, training in Brazil, um, and a medical urologist at SickKids. So, so basically, I, I manage clinical conditions of uh, the kidneys and bladder, uh, including uh, pediatric incontinence, bad wetting, bladder and bowel dysfunction, hydronephrosis, and other issues with the kidneys and bladder. And so how long have you been doing this? For 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay, so you've had your share. Excellent. And you've had your share of children that you've helped and mostly were helping the parents. I remember what it was like for me. So how can we help parents understand when their child is ready to potty train? At what age should we start? Yeah, that's a great question. So so first of all, it's important to know that there is not an um, appropriate age that it happens. There is a big uh, variety with, you know, different cultures uh, when uh, kids are potty trained. Uh, in Western countries, um, uh, most children will be potty trained between the ages two and four. So there is a big variability, right, on when to start. Um, and how should we know, right, that uh, you know, our kids are ready for potty training? Um, we recommend uh, what we call a child-oriented approach. Uh, that means that we should uh, hear and pay attention to the cues uh, that the child is ready to potty train. Um, for example, uh, a child to be able to potty train needs to uh, reach a few milestones, as uh, motor milestones, uh, uh, also language milestones, and social milestones. So uh, first of all, it's important for the child to be able to walk properly to reach the potty. Then when the child sits on the potty, it's important uh, for the child to be stable enough to sit on the potty. They should be at that stage that they, they, they are able to pull the pants uh, you know, up and down as well. Um, and uh, they should be able to, uh, um, to follow one to two step commands as physically sit on the potty and they should be able to understand that and also expressive language. They should be able to, uh, you know, tell us that they want to sit on the, they want to, to pee or poop uh, and they want to sit on the potty. Um, uh, socially, uh, it's important also to get the cues of how the interaction happens between the child and, and parents or caregivers uh, as uh, they usually around the potty training phase and they are ready 
um, uh, they want to please parents and, and they also are seeking for independence. So I want to do things on my own. Does that make sense? Yeah, that you know what that is so yeah. um, helpful because it's true they have to be able to do all those things. And you're right, they always yeah. at that age they want to please their parents. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. So when a yeah. parent starts this process and, and realizes that you know maybe my child is ready from start to finish, how long should it take um, for them to be fully potty trained for both peep and poop? Yeah, I think that's the most common question that I get in the office uh, from parents. So how long will it take? And, and usually parents uh, know, get to the office concerned that it's taking too long. But it may take, you know, average between three and six months. Some kids a little bit less, some kids a little bit more, but that's the average time. So it's several months. Okay, several months. See, because I find that most mm-hmm. parents expect that their child should be potty trained within a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, exactly, exactly. And that's not the truth. It might take several months and it's still completely normal. That's a really, that's very, very helpful because I remember when I started with my kids, we came up with songs, which I won't sing on the air, I promise. And um, it was <laughs> for my first, for my first boy, it was. Um, you know, it took a few months and then he got the hang of it. And then I found that with my second, with my daughter, it was like quick. And I think it was because she was noticing that her brother was doing this anyway. So she kind of wanted to be part of the the potty train, I like to call it. Um, So my next question is, do boys train potty train differently than girls? Yeah, so they don't potty train differently, but they are usually later to achieve potty training. Uh, girls are usually a little bit earlier than them, uh, six months to a year uh, sooner than boys. But but the process is exactly the same. And so what about those kids who are, you know, you said that the average age is between two and four, and there are some kids who actually go to JK and are not fully potty trained. So how do we help parents not feel stressed about this? Because that would be a very stressful situation, thinking that you're sending your child to school and he or she may have accidents and teachers are not allowed to help assist them if that occurs. Yes, yes, it is certainly stressful. Um, So there are few things that um, can delay potty training a little bit. Uh, A common reason is constipation. So if a child is constipated um, and not, not passing stools every day or passing hard stools, uh, they start to have a negative uh, you know, experience with the potty and they, they avoid the potty. The other thing is that when a child is constipated, commonly they won't feel when they need to pee and they'll have more accidents. Uh, so this is certainly something to, to explore. So if a child is um, more than four years old and did not achieve potty training yet, that's the time to talk to your pediatrician. Okay. And, and, and so how do we handle accidents? Because in my own practice, although I'm a chiropractor, I treat a lot of younger kids just for like injuries and stuff like that. And then the conversation kind of, you know, spills over to the whole potty training thing and the constipation. But how do we deal with accidents? Like, what is the right way to handle, you know, when your child is continually having accidents? You know, it can be frustrating. You know, they've wet their pants. They've wet the floor. They feel uncomfortable. How can parents properly and kindly deal with the accidents? I think that um, everything starts with the expectations that parents have at the time of body training. Accidents should be expected and they are inevitable. They are going to happen. Right, so 
uh, if an accident happened, just move on. Even if the child tells you, uh, you know, that they need to pee or poop and they have the accident, still praise them for telling you that, um, that they need to pee and poop. They are learning. It's a process. It takes several months and accidents should be expected. So we always say positive reinforcement, right? Ne never punishment, never try as much as possible not to, you know, show frustration because this is certainly part of the process. And what about parents of twins? I've always wondered this myself. Um, parents of twins, <laughs> should they expect both of their children to potty train at the same time and at the, in the same way? Not necessary, right? So although twins, they are different individuals um, and the body will mature in a different, uh, you know, uh, rhythm as well, uh, despite having the same age. And this is the same reason why you can have, you know, two different three-year-olds living in different households and one will be ready and the other will not, right? And that's, that's totally normal as well. So for a child to be uh, potty trained, um, they need to have, you know, the body ready, so physically ready, physiologically ready, uh, with all the neurological tracts and um, uh, reflexive sphincter maturation, etc. but also psychologically ready. And the psychological readiness very commonly does not happen at the same time as the physical readiness, right? And that really varies from child to child. So you might have a difference between you know, weeks or months uh, between uh, twins to be potty trained, and that's considered totally normal as well. And what about premature babies? So do we, should a parent who has a pre preemie, should they expect that their child will develop their, you know, potty training skills a little bit later or can they catch up? Because these are all questions that, you know, I'm sure parents have and these are the things they worry yeah. about. Um, and I thought that would be a good question. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it depends. It varies on, on how the child is achieving all milestones. Right. So um, as we discussed in the beginning uh, of our conversation, so uh, the child needs to develop several milestones to be ready for potty, train, potty training. So if the, the premature uh, child uh, reaches those milestones, we expect them to be potty trained around the same time. And so what are some of the tips that you can offer parents that are going to help them transition? Because this is also about the parent, because I feel like some parents, mm -hmm. when they're having difficulties potty training or, or feel like their child is having difficulties, they put that pressure on themselves. They, call, they consider it a failure on their part, but it really is yeah. nothing to do with that. So what tips can you offer parents to help them transition from diapers or pull-ups to the potty? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that first of all, um, be prepared for it. So never start potty training around a stressful time. So not when you are moving houses or when the child is starting a new school or if you are welcoming a new baby to the family. Uh, those are not good moments to start potty training. It's just a lot of change um, in, in, in the family's life, right? So, mm -hmm. so that's one thing. The second thing is uh, um, make sure that parents are prepared with, you know, setting time aside for potty training uh, because uh, uh, when the child is ready, you need to encourage them to, to, to go to the potty every one to two hours or so, so they need to have time for that. Uh, they need to be prepared to do a lot of laundry, expect the accident. So it's attention, patience, knowing that the process may take several months, knowing that uh, you may have setbacks as, you know, things have started well, but all of a sudden he started having accidents again, mm -hmm. or he does not want to sit on the potty. And if they don't want to sit on the potty, don't force it. 
it's time for a break, you take it a few weeks and try it again. And that's a right? real, yes, that's a really good point. So, because my next question was going to be, what about in those situations where children are making progress and then all of a sudden they have those setbacks? And again, that can be very frustrating and very like disheartening to parents. How do we handle that? And what could, what could possibly be causing the setback? Yeah, so um, sometimes if the child is just not ready um, and uh, and then they have the setback, sometimes there's something else happening uh, as, you know, some, you know, family stress or change or they're changing school or, um, you know, moving houses or a new sibling and things like that or the child became constipated. So several things can cause that. Uh, if you have a setback or whenever parents are concerned, I think it's worthwhile talking to the pediatrician. Absolutely. That sounds like great advice. When we come back, how to help children who bedwet. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Connect with us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. So before the break, we were discussing potty training and how to transition toddlers from diapers to the potty. But I thought we should also focus on when delayed potty training becomes a problem. So what are the factors that may delay a child from potty training and all those things that parents are concerned about. And joining me today was Dr. Dos Santos from Sick Kids. So I thought my first question for you after the break would be how about children who bed wet how common is it and um, how do we handle it yeah bed wetting is exceedingly common very very common so 15% of 6 year olds still wet the bed and up to 10% of 10 year olds still wet the bed 1 to 2% of teenagers still wet the bed so, so it's, it's a common uh, condition um, the most common cause for, for bad wetting is just that um, children cannot wake up when they get, uh, when the bladder gets full overnight. So they have, you know, um, more challenges sleep arousal at night. Uh, that's the most common cause. Usually you find cases in the family as well. So one, if one of the parents had issues with bad wetting up to a later age, there is a 50% of one of their children having bad wetting as well. The good news is that it gets better over time. And that's, that was, that, that's one of the questions that I really wanted to answer for parents. So it does get better. You're not going to have like, a, you know, an 18, 19-year-old who's going to continue wetting the bed, right? Like it is something that resolves. No. Yeah, those cases are very rare. Very okay. rare. Yeah, it, it still happens. And, and if it happens, uh, there are several ways to help. Um, but this is very, very rare. The vast majority of children will improve over time and much quicker. But when, so when does it actually not become a problem, but when is it, what age does it become a concern and something that you need to address with your pediatrician? Right, right. So um, the definition of of bed wetting will be children that still wet the bed above the age five, so, so above five years of age. However, what I say is that whenever a child is bothered by wetting the bed, it's time to do something about it, regardless of the age. 
And that's a good point. So when your child is expressing to you that it is frustrating mm-hmm. that they keep wetting the bed, and they will express this, right? Like most of the time they tell parents that it's frustrating or maybe they see it in the parents themselves being frustrated with the bed wetting. How do we handle yes. that as a parent? Like how do we... How do we find the patience? Because I'm sure in the middle of the night to be waking up with your child wetting the bed and having to change bedding and sheets, it must be frustrating for everybody. So how do we handle that from like a, a perspective of helping their mental health? Yeah, yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, trying to, you know, to work with the child, uh, you know, towards getting them dry, but uh, try not to express frustration for them because it's absolutely not their fault. So uh, they are not doing that because they want to. So no punishment, um, positive reinforcement when things are working well. They're getting dry nights or you know helping um, take off you know the, the wet sheets from the bed and things like that. So always, always positive reinforcement and no punishment. And what are the treatment options? Like, are there treatments for children who wet the bed? Uh, you know, up to let's say the age of twelve. What can parents do for their children? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, I know that I talk a lot about constipation, but, but it's because it is related. And we know that kids who are constipated, they're more likely to wet the bed up to a later age. So, so first of all, understand and identify constipation, treat if that's the case. Um, then uh, peeing more often during the day helps children wake up at night when the bladder gets full. Hmm. Right? So, this is called bladder retraining. So, we encourage the child during the day to pee every two hours drink every two hours, but decrease the fluid intake after 4 p.m. And try as much as possible not to drink fluid two hours before going to bed. So this is always the first step. Um, once we decide that, you know, we are going to work on potty training, right, oh, sorry, potty training, on, on bedwetting right now, we should, uh, if the child is wearing a pull-up at night, it's time to remove the pull-up and protect the mattress with, you know, a plastic cover or absorbable pads and things like that because the longer the child is wearing the diaper or pull-up, the longer it will take them to stop wetting the bed. Hmm. Okay. Then um, the, the gold standard when we decide to treat it, besides the, the, in addition to uh, the conservative management that we discussed, mm-hmm. is the bed wetting alarm. So uh, this is really the gold standard to treat bedwetting. It's basically a device um, with sensors attached to the underwear, connected, you know, via wires or Bluetooth with a little box that uh, gives a loud sound and vibration once the underwear gets moist. Oh, really? I've never even heard of this. Okay. Yes. Really good standards, a conditioning system, right? So, um, and what is important for parents to know is that once you start wearing the alarm, for the first couple weeks, very commonly, children that wet the bed, they won't be able to wake up to the alarm because they are very deep sleepers. Mm -hmm. So, it's very important for parents to wake them up. And usually, after one, two weeks, the child starts to wake uh, wake up themselves uh, with the alarm. And so you just said something that, yeah. that resonated. So is, is part of the, the reason why some kids bedwet is because they are very heavy sleepers and they're in a really deep sleep and they don't get the cues from the brain to the bladder? That's correct. That's correct. That's part of the reason. Um, there are others. We know that uh, this is one of the components. Children that wet the bed, commonly they will also produce more urine overnight. Hmm. And some of them will have a slightly small bladder as well. 
but what they have is a common feature. All of them are very deep sleepers. Right. Because if not, it was just a matter of making more urine at night. They would wake up right several times overnight, but they just cannot sleep when the blood cannot wake up when the, when the blood gets full. And so let's talk about the the whole concept of constipation. How does constipation increase the the chances of a child wetting the bed? Right. So um, when the bowel gets stretched with poop, the nerves that are stretched in the, in the bowel wall are the same nerves responsible for the bladder sensation, hmm. right? So the bladder and the bowel, they work very closely. They are closely anatomically. The bowels are immediately behind the bladder, but also the nerves that move the bowels are the same mo- nerves that move the bladder. And those uh, are the nerves that tell the brain that we should wake up when our bladder gets full. And so when the, when, the, when the bowel is full and distended, they're not getting that same message because the bowel is already feeling full. Yeah, that's right. So, so if the bowel is stretched, then the, the bladder um, is not giving the signals to the brain uh, when it's time to pee. And so is maybe addressing the issue of constipation also a way to help with, um, you know, not wetting the bed? Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the things that we should do for sure. Okay. And that makes sense because if you're dealing with that whole, you know, bedwetting and then we are helping the constipation, we're helping two, we're solving two problems for these children and their families. Now, bedwetting sounds like, you know, it's very common, more common than we think, but I have heard that one of the more common reasons why some kids wet the bed is due to juvenile diabetes. Is this always the case or is this true? So it's not always the case, Uh, it's something to think about. So you have two different types of bedwetting, okay? So you have children that never stop wetting the bed at night for more than six months, and you have children that were completely dry for a long period of time, and all of a sudden they start wetting the bed. So those are the children that we're more more concerned with organic causes for bedwetting, such as juvenile diabetes or type 1 diabetes, or a urinary tract infection, um, or, you know, other, you know, diseases or conditions that will cause a new onset of bedwetting. Uh, for type 1 diabetes, though, very commonly children will have other symptoms. So it's not only the bedwetting, but they will be drinking more frequently, they will lose weight, they will look sick. Okay. It's not only the bedwetting. Um, but if it's a new onset of bedwetting, you should for sure talk to your pediatrician. And, and that was the reason why I brought that up, because, you know, normally or, or more commonly, it's something that just happens. The kids need to kind of grow out of it. They need to kind of get the, you know, the brain and the bladder to work together. But, in, but I feel like most parents, when they have this problem with bedwetting into the, you know, you know, beyond five or six years old, the first thing they do is worry about juvenile diabetes. And that's when they should really be speaking to their pediatrician to get that differential diagnosis out of the way and just kind of move on from it. Is that correct? That's right. That's correct. Yes. And uh, the other thing I want to ask was, and I think this is for all parents out there, does every child wet the bed at some point? Because I feel like we need to understand that it's very common and it's not something that's indicating that your child is abnormal and that he or she won't grow out of it. That's right. That's right. That's, that's very, very common. Every child will have, you know, an accident here and there uh, at night. Um, and, um, and most of them will just outgrow it. And so what about, um, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, by age of, you know, teenagers, like some early teens are still wetting the bed. At what point can we, you know, 
does the child at that point, let's say you have a 12, 13-year-old, do they need to go in for some additional therapy? Should they be speaking to somebody about this? Because I know that there are some kids who don't want to attend sleepover parties because they're afraid that they might wet the bed. This is a problem, like also considering their social lives at this at that age is very important. Absolutely, yeah. We are we are more uh, you know aggressive with treatment in older kids exactly because of the impact in their quality of life and, and social life. Um, and as I said, regardless of the age, if a seven-year-old is concerned that does not want to go to sleepovers or camp, that that's also a concern. Um, so um, in addition to the bedwetting alarm, which is the gold standard for treatment, we commonly offer uh, a medication. Uh, called DDAVP um, for children for those pinpoint situations such as camps, sleepovers, or small trips. And this medication helps decrease the production of urine overnight uh, so that they can travel and go to their camps and sleepovers without worry while we work uh, with, you know, treating the problem with the bedwetting alarm. We don't recommend medication every day for the vast majority of patients, but this is something that we can offer. Uh, for those children and adolescents. And now for parents, so let's say you have a four-year-old, five-year-old who is continually wetting the bed. Is there a certain age that the parent should be speaking to the pediatrician and kind of putting up a red flag to say, okay, we as a family need help or my child needs help? Yeah, so so again, if the child is bothered or the parents are concerned, please uh, talk to your pediatrician at any time. Um, but if the child is not bothered at all and it's something that is fine for the family, uh, you can wait until the age five and so, um, before talking to the pediatrician. And so age five is like, you know, by the time they should be in, so age five, four, five, they're kind of JK, SK, they should really be not having as many accidents at night or even during the day. Is that correct? Uh, that, that's correct. That's correct. And it's something to, to talk to the pediatrician and see if there is a role of starting treating early or maybe waiting a little bit. But I think it's worth starting the discussion. And so I have one last question before we have to wrap up the show, and it kind of uh, circles back to the whole constipation thing. I know of children who will intentionally hold it in. Um, Is there some reason why they do that? And that leads to constipation, because if you're constantly holding it in and not releasing it, eventually your bowels just kind of hold on to it themselves. So what would be one of the reasons why a child would hold in? That's the most common cause for visits in my office okay. is what is what we call bladder and bowel dysfunction. So kids around potty training, um, they are just finding out when to hold, um, and at the same time they are going to school. So obviously everything is more interested in stopping and going to the washroom. Right? They are playing and they are you know hanging with friends and they just don't want to go to the washroom. And then what happens is that over time the body learns how to hold and it can hold for the entire day, both the bladder and the bowel. Uh, and that's when they start having issues with constipation, pee accidents, urinary tract infections, etc. Well, I cannot thank you enough. I feel like we have really helped parents today understand potty training and accidents and bedwetting. So we appreciate your insight and all your information. If listeners want to learn more about you or get more information, how can they do that? 
Thank you very much, Claudia. Um, so uh, if uh, um, families would like more information, they can go uh, at aboutkidshealth.ca. It's a Kids trusted website for parents. Um, and you can search toilet training, bedwetting, constipation, blood and bowel dysfunction, and uh, you have a lot of trusted information there. Um, or uh, the CPS, Canadian Pediatric Society website, they also have a site for parents um, called Caring for Kids, um, and you can look there for the same information or um, uh, reach me um, at, at any time if they would like um, through the kids or in the care. Excellent. Thank you so much. And listeners can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Makiela or my website, ClaudiaMakiela.com. That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.